you wait until you think you know what you're going to, how you're going to do it, then it's too late, right? Like you have to kind of do it a, a bit backwards, right? Like take on the job before you know how you're going to do it and then figure it out on the go, <laughs> right? Like I just think that's the only way that you're going to experience rapid growth, right? Otherwise, you're, you're not going to be skipping steps and, and you have to skip some steps and kind of fill them in backwards, right? And go like, okay, I can actually see how that makes sense now, right? And so, you know, living it is, is way more than, is I think way more valuable than learning about it in theory. So that's one of the, the big benefits of, of student works is you have to live and breathe it. And, you know, your successes are your own and your failures are your own. And uh, those are both great, I guess, those badges. <laughs> you learn a lot from both. Uh, and hopefully, you know, you've got more successes and failures. So you, know, you just have to kind of keep working at it. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. Really excited to be bringing this amazing story. Nori Shang joined our organization about 10 years ago, so early, early on in his, in his career. And I know we're often bringing these success stories of, you know, 20, 30 years out, oh, look at what got created. Well, the cool thing about this story is, is that Nori, um, you know, left a, an amazing opportunity at Oracle Net, NetSuite to join this what looked like a really, really fast-growing startup, and it ended up being an unbelievably fast-growing startup, literally growing from like 10,000 units to later on a million a month to 2 million a month to, I believe it approached 3 million a month, and then went sideways. So an amazing story of growth, of challenges, and the, the lessons that we pull apart and pick, pick apart with Nori. And again, of him unabashedly choosing the, the commitment of uh, not wanting to trade his time for money, as he says, and, and wanting to, to create things in the world. And, uh, you know, he really is kind of just a couple months or just a, a half a year away from a huge, huge setback and just you know, excited, motivated for what's next, you know, trying to figure out what's next. And I think it's just really awesome that, first of all, Nori jumped on the program in that space and just, you know, honestly shared what's going on, what he's up to, what he's looking to create. And, and I think it's just a fantastic story for our leaders and what they're, they want to create. Okay. Cause, cause in our world, We've got to be willing to fail in our world. We've, we, we've got to be willing to sort of take challenges on that may not turn out. If you know of any amazing young leaders who want to take on the challenges of the day, there's so many of them, please send them our way. We'd love to have them look at joining our program. They could go to studentworks.com. They could send me an email at cthompson at studentworks.com. Thanks so much. Have yourself a fantastic day. Cheers. Nori, so excited to have you on the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I love to have people recently, you know, it's about eight years or so. I was reading on, on LinkedIn since, since you were, a, you know, a, a top performing operator with us. You operated with us for two years and, and then just kind of, hey, what's going on and, and what progress are we making, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, it's been, let's just call it, we know it's been a mixed bag, some really exciting stuff, some neat stuff. So, so I just love 
your willingness to come on and share what I think is a really fun and neat story. But before we jump into that, who was Nori before the Student Works Management Program? Well, yeah. So, I mean, you said eight years. I was like sort of doing the math in my head. I'm like, yeah, it's it's, it's like solidly almost 10, I think, since I joined. Like, Yes. Oh, like, yeah. It, that's exactly <laughs> it. Because you were with us for two years. It, it was like t- 2011, right? Yeah. And I'm just sort of reflecting. I'm like, that's time flies. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's, that's both great and also highly depressing. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, going back pre- Student works. I mean, yeah, I mean, I would say like, you know, high school, I wouldn't call myself aimless. I think that's probably a little too dramatic, but I, I think there was definitely in some ways a lack of direction. You know, I, I went to university because it was very much the thing to do, um, <laughs> which I guess is a, very, a sort of privileged thing to say, but, you know, it was sort of the next move. And I'd always been a little bit itchy about, um, I didn't see there wasn't sort of like a like a clear direction, which uh, you know, unfortunately, I lacked that as a child. <laughs> um, you know, I wish I could say I had this grand vision from the age of four, but that was not my life, um, and it is not my life. So yeah, I say, say before that, um, I, I I didn't have a like a lot of jobs growing up, right? I had the odd thing here and there. Um, again, something I'm, I'm lucky to say. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I went to school. It was, it was pretty average, I, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> went to school, had a couple jobs here and there, taught snowboarding for like four days. I had a couple like, uh, I tried, you know, I guess some of the things that like led to student works making sense for me. I mean, you know, I tried to start a couple different small businesses <laughs> with varying degrees of success, right? You know, cleaning people's eaves troughs and handed out flyers to clean their garages and stuff like that. Just trying to like stir things up. I, I never really wanted to go like work at McDonald's. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's no shade against working at McDonald's. It's just, it was never the right, it never felt right for me. And it, for, for whatever reason, I was like, this concept of trading my time for money feels really weird. Like, I can't handle the idea of going to purchase something and be like, this was this many hours of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, it doesn't really kind of matter. It would. Be, I mean, the, the backwards part is, you know, you go into a life of entrepreneurship and you're like, ah, oh, my hourly rate's actually horrendous. Like, <laughs> it's quite terrible. But for, for whatever reason, it works better in my brain. I never end up doing this sort of like cost value of, of time <laughs> anymore. But yeah, I don't know. That's the long version of saying, you know, not a whole lot, I guess. I sort of just went to school and went to engineering because I don't know. What else are you going to do? <laughs> One of the things, though, I sense, uh, we were joking, um, Nori didn't hook on immediately when he linked on to the podcast. And sometimes for our guests, I am concerned. Will they be able to figure it out? Nori, knowing he's an engineer, knew it was going to, oh, yeah, all sort out. And, you know, we're all hooked up. Because one of the things that you are is a problem solver. One of the things I think why you've chosen the things you've chosen is because it's, it's, it's neat to solve problems, right? It's neat to find ways to solve things. For sure. It's just a world of Lego, man. A world of Lego. Okay. <laughs> so what do you still find valuable of the couple of years you spent at Student Works that are impact your life moving forward, Nori? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, there's a lot, right? And I do, you know, obviously there's the context of this podcast and, you know, as much as I don't want this to sound too pluggy, like I, I do, you know, tremendously value the time that I spent uh, with Student Works. And, you know, it was definitely some of the harder, you know, stuff that, you know, it was challenging, right? In in a lot of ways. And but I I'd all, almost always recommend actually almost always I exclusively always recommend it. Uh if 
if people ask, right, that I say, you know, that's definitely some of the best uh, value time I think I've spent so far uh, as far as accelerating, think accelerating things for myself. So, yeah, things that I carry forward. I mean, you know, I know how to paint a mean wall, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I mean, seriously, the, you know, there, there's, there's a, a huge load of skills. I mean, there's so many things I think were really foundational, right? Like I wouldn't say that anything I, I learned at student works was, it was never about refining you know, a skill set, right? It was really about laying a breadth of foundational skills, at least for me, right? And there's still things today that I find really, I don't want to use the word transferable, but, you know, it's almost like you can broker these concepts and ideas into so many uh, aspects of of life, right? Whether it's your personal life or professional. I mean, some of the, the basics, even in, in sales and things like that, that are so I don't know. They're just so useful everywhere. Right. I mean, they sound so silly, like in, in retrospect, because they're like, they're so simple and, and fundamental, but you know, you talk a lot about identifying needs and developing needs and things like that is like just basic you know, sales processes. And it's like the career path that I ultimately sort of took coming out of school into product management, like is built around identifying needs of people. Right. It's like, how do I understand things better? And, and it's just sort of funny. I mean, you ask it like, what was I up to before? So I, I, it was a couple of years ago. I can't remember what I was doing. I, I was looking through some old files and I pulled up like the resume that I had submitted to student works. And it was hilarious. Like I don't even know how I made it fill. A full page. A full page. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, who gave this guy a phone call? Oh my Lord. Like, <laughs> like anyway, but, um, but as far as like the, the skills I learned, it was sort of like, it was just an interesting stark contrast of like a, a you know, like a zero to one kind of like before student works and then after like, is like, wow, just the idea of understanding how a business operates. Actually, there's a cool example. And I, I'm going to, I have this tendency to go on fast tangents. So you can give me a nudge and be like, get back on track. Um, but there's this, uh, this, this, this concept or this analogy of, um, you know, pilots, I read in a book one time where, you know, there's sort of two two cases, one where this big jet crashed, you know, horribly tragic, and another one where they survived. And, and they talked about the, the pilot's mindset in the moments leading up to, uh, you know, trying to land that plane. And it was basically like, forget all the bells and whistles of flying a jumbo jet and imagine this thing as a Cessna, right? And it's sort of like those the same, the same ideas, the same ideas apply, right? It's like, you know, even when you're going through like really complex, business operations, those like the basic Cessna stuff that you learn all work. student works, yes, still work, right? You know, it's just like keep the thing flying, right? Like when that one all else fails, focus on like the meat and potatoes of of what matters. And so yeah, I, I said like, you know, I don't want to like name anything in particular, whether it's sales or, you know, hire, like just all that stuff. I think the more important piece for me was less well, I sort of, aside from all these, these fundamentals, like it was just a willingness to like jump into almost anything and just go like, I don't know, we'll figure it out. Right. Like that sort of attitude is probably my biggest takeaway. And I mean, it's probably in some ways why I joined student works, but heading out of it, that added confidence of like, you know, you just sign up <laughs> for whatever it is and we'll figure it out as we go. Right? What I love you pointing to Nori is every business is I do more and more podcasts and I can't with our alumni. I remember Andrew McGilvery who, who was running a billion dollar piece of, of Home Depot. And he was saying, no, Chris, it's just all sorts of small businesses that add up to a billion. And Home Depot is all sorts of, you know, verticals that add up to 
you know, hundreds of billions or whatever. And, and it's all doing the same things. It's relationships, it's training, it's recruiting great people, it's great coaching. It's if there's no trust in an organization, the organization won't work. And all these things, so all these basics, these fundamentals make all the difference. Again, at a small scale, I'm running my local student painting business or student window cleaning business or at a monster scale. You know, all the same things work. And, uh, you know, the technology has to work, you know, and, and we'll talk about that, right? Because you're a product guy and we've got some fun stories heading up. But so let's look at, we graduate from the University of Guelph in computing. What do you choose to do? You know, full, first full-time gig. Yeah. So, I mean, I went, I did a couple co-op placements um, through school and this, you know, I was a huge part of trying to figure out what to do. Right. And I had this huge dilemma around, you know, what to, what to do. Cause I, you know, I was in engineering, but I mean, I had zero interest in ever being an engineer. Right. And I, frankly, I would have switched programs, but I was like, what, what else am I going to do? Right. So I'm like, I might as well just finish it. So what I tried to, I was always interested in being involved in developing products. Like I always liked building ideas and, and crafting a vision, trying to figure out like seeing something come to life, but not necessarily sitting down and writing software for, you know, <laughs> 12 hours a day. Right. That was not always sort of of interest to me. And so, you know, not necessarily knowing the ins and outs of, of, of how products were built. I, you know, start, you know, started exploring and ultimately, started down a path of what ended up being like a sort of a product management thing. Right. So I, uh, you know, I started off in, as a business analyst, you know, just like who, what's that? <laughs> I'm, I'm four years old help, but you know, it, really like, again, th- same sort of principles applied, right. It's like, let's look at the industry. Let's look at the market and let's look at what people need and what businesses need and the trends and what adds value. And like, just starting to, like really explore that area of business, right? And and to me, I'm obviously super biased, but I think it's a hugely critical part of building any business. Is is um, you know, it's it's really like ground zero, right? Everything from there, like you know, for sure, you've got to build it. You've got to have great engineers, and you've got to, you know. But at the end of the day, like you have to build the right thing for the right people and solve the right problems. Like all that stuff is true. And so yeah, I was in engineering, but I was trying to find this space, right, somewhere between. And, you know, I think you, you, you know, we had conversations along the way and you probably sort of observed this struggle, right? Of like, what do I, yeah, I've got this business thing happening on one side, but this engineering thing happening on this other side. And it's like, I wish I could pick a lane here, but it's, I'm having trouble. Right? You know, it, was, it wasn't like there was a clear, like, you know, great. And I'm going to do my school thing just for the sake of the check mark. And then, you know, off I'll go into the business world. It was like, it wasn't so clean cut and it wasn't the other way around either. So. I was looking for this space in between sort of the technical world and the business world and was just kind of tic-tacking. And so, yeah, I ultimately spent some time looking around and being way too picky <laughs> about what I wanted to do and, and, found, and found myself, you know, entering into the product world as an analyst and then just sort of going from there and starting to manage product teams. You know, once I kind of found the group and, and the space I was looking into, I, uh, yeah, I was able to dig my heels in, I think, pretty quickly, if that is at all specific enough. <laughs> yeah, so why don't we take that apart a little bit? So Nori joined as an IT consultant, University of Guelph Computing and Communications Service, so working working with, with people around the University of Guelph. Yeah, so I mean, that that was, I mean, I think to some degree, it means to an end. Like, I mean, maybe, maybe uh, I don't remember if we ever talked about this, but I, I ended up, because I was doing a co-op 
in the the summertime. <laughs> I was like, well, so so that there goes my painting business thing, right? So I'm I'm going to do the the, <laughs> and so I, I needed to do something in the winter. And so the reason I bring this up now is that the the whole IT thing was, it was sort of I. I don't want to glaze over it too much, but it allowed me to to focus on, I ended up doing like a snow removal business <laughs> in the winter. I'm like, I need a winter gig, right? So I, I sort of spun that up. And then that, you know, the, the on-campus, you know, gig sort of gave me the, the latitude to do that. And then, you know, it just, you know, it, it paid the bills and allowed me to kind of work through school. Um, but I, I'd say more importantly, um, you know, I went and, and got a job at Oracle next week at D2L, Designer Learn. Well, actually, before that, yeah, D2L in, in, in Kitchener, right? So that was that was sort of my more formative co-op experience. Uh, again, as a business analyst, trying to understand how you know learning can be applied in, in an enterprise setting, and again, just starting to get into this world of um, understanding the market and understanding the users. And and I was just like, okay, this is this is definitely like what you know I'd like to do, right? Is I want to spend time working with engineering teams and sort of being this cross-functional space of you know somewhere between engineering and business and design right so spent some time at um at d2l and then that was a great experience and then upon graduation sort of looked for a similar type of a role right somewhere in the product management space um and then eventually found but again it's one of those weird careers because there's not like a degree that leads to it <laughs> right it's not like you know you, you go to school for software engineering it's like okay you go be a developer right like that makes some sense but there's not like product management school, <laughs> right? So you, you find there's either like, there's either like technical people who kind of can do the, the, the business side, or there's the business people who kind of can do the technical side. And you, you know, that sort of, you kind of come from one side or the other. And so, you know, I had the great benefit of, I wouldn't say, you know, formally and informally being educated in both <laughs> at that point, right? Is having a bit of that technical side from, from school. And then obviously having gone through student works to have, you know, little crash course, you know, mini MBA and how to run a business. <laughs> At that point, I, you know, I kind of had the both pieces. So yeah, I went to Oracle NetSuite as a product analyst. And then I think, you know, within the first few months, sort of took over managing a product team based on the Philippines and then, and then another team and then another team. And then I think at one point I had like three teams and that was mayhem. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's sort of the, the direction I went. Yeah, no. And, and a couple of things to point out is it's totally true. What I'm learning at school a lot of times doesn't fit. Most times doesn't fit into the real world. Most of the things I learn in school, you know, it's like, boom, this goes here, you know, and, you know, just for everyone to understand is Nori could have very easily as an engineering student just gone and got a good job making a whole bunch of money, you know, and again, trading time for money. And, and that's something that hasn't excited. Obviously, you did a little bit of that at NetSuite Oracle, which is a really major, major company that is a really great brand to have on your resume in terms of, wow, look what I can do. You know, I'm, I, I got hired by one of the you know most successful companies in the world and, and worked there for three years. But obviously, something must have made you feel restless to go and move on to the next thing. Or what What? What had you jumping to that next thing? Yeah. Um... I mean, yeah, restlessness is definitely a good word. I probably should have brought that up earlier when we were talking about like the pre-student works days, right? Like that was very much like I'd always wanted to run a business. <laughs> I don't know entirely why. I might even have to go into years of therapy at some point to figure that I've out. I've done but that. It's, so. always, <laughs> it's always something that I that I wanted to uh, I wanted to do. It's something that I hugely valued. Like, you know, my dad ran his own graphic design business and I always thought that was like the coolest. I was like, man, like 
man, you got to run your own business, man. It's the way to go. <laughs> so as a kid, I was always trying to spin up these things. And so, yeah, I spent some time at, um, at NetSuite. And actually, what was interesting, and this is, this is not, I don't think, even on LinkedIn, but even before I was at NetSuite, I, I'd, um, I'd linked up with a guy that I'd, I'd known uh, from school who was, who was starting a, a company. And I started working with him a little bit to try to spin up some, a bit of a startup situation, right? And my attitude was a little bit like, you know, at some point, I'm going to want to build a business. You know, I'm not sure I 100% get what this guy's doing, but like, hey, I hear a whole bunch of businesses fail. I might as well, you know, jump in, try to figure it out. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, then, you know, at least I've learned a lot of lessons. And I did, right? I don't want to say I didn't. And the business was sort of interesting. It ended up uh, kind of revolving around building technology for um, archery, for like elite archers to help improve their, their, um, their technique, right? And it was like super cool, and it actually worked. We were talking to like you know, a lot of Olympian archers. It turns out there's not that many archers, so business model wise, like a little bit soft. <laughs> but the reason I bring it up is that I kind of joined that business not fully understanding how it was going to, like why it was. I, I didn't fully get it, right? And it, and this is not to throw shade at all at, at the founder there, but the the lesson that I learned there was like. You know, you can learn a lot from failures, but don't go in with the intention of failing. Like that's not going to be very useful at all, right? Because you're just beating your head against the wall, going like, "Lesson, come on, where are you?" Right? It's like the lesson already happened. Don't do something that you don't that doesn't make sense, right? So, so I actually went before I even started at at Oracle. I was at at another startup, and so, but within the first year of at Oracle, I I'd uh, I'd left that startup, and um, you know, at the time. My my now wife was like, hey, you know, take some time off, relax, you know, just like, you know, it'd be great to spend some time together. Some mentors were like, you know, just clear your inbox, chill out, spend some time taking it easy. And it was like 25 days later, my wife's like, you got to figure something out here. I can't deal with you. Like, <laughs> like lying on the floor, just like, I don't know what to do with myself anymore, right? Like, like what do I do after the day's over, right? Like, and so... I was just all worked up and I, and I just, I didn't, I'm like, what am I, I gotta, I gotta find something to do. And I just, I always wanted to be kind of doing something that like build something from the ground up. And, and like, I could build a lot all day long at Oracle and, you know, it was fun, but I really like, I always liked that, that, that experience of, you know, wearing all the hats and figuring out, out stuff from, from the ground up and, and, you know, like you just building stuff, you know? And so, I wanted to do that and, um, you know, sitting around not knowing what to do. And, and, um, I'd actually connected with the CEO of a company, uh, O2, uh, O2 Canada several months prior when I was still doing the other startup. Right. And I was like, Hey, you know, I actually had done some, some thinking about this application of developing a mask for pollution in China, you know, while I was in school and I was like, I had a whole bunch of ideas. I'm like, Hey, like, you know, I don't have bandwidth because I'm doing this other startup thing, but I'd love to share the ideas with you if you want to take them and run. Like, you know, cool. And he's like, you know, we don't have any bandwidth either. I didn't even, you know, at the time I, I, I now realize it was really just two guys <laughs> that I was talking to. I'm like, you should do all this stuff. And they're like, eh, trust me, we we've got enough going on. And so, you know, just kind of left that thread. And then, you know, kind of things lined up. I, um, the CEO reached out to me sort of in December, I think. I think I'd left the other startup in like October, November, <laughs> December. He reached out. I'm like, thank God, I need something to do. He's like, hey, we've got some funding. You know, I, I wonder if you'd be interested in coming to join. And I was like, yeah, totally. Like, you know, let's 
you know, let's kick this thing off. Uh, you know, I'll join part-time to start, see how things go, see if we, you know, we work well as a team and then we'll take it from there. And so I, I started that and I, and then I basically was doing that, you know, full-time during evenings and weekends <laughs> for, I don't know, a solid year and a bit, right? I think he was like from January uh, of like 2018 until April of 2019. I think I nailed those dates, right? So yeah, good, good uh, 16 months of doing the side hostel thing with them and developed a good relationship, uh, particularly with our, with the, one of the co-founders, uh, Rich, you know, he was sort of more on the technical product side and, and like product vision. And you know, we sort of hit it off and were able to, to, to jam really well. And so, um, yeah, ultimately, you know, left, um, Oracle, you sort of, you know, it's a, it's an interesting decision process around like, what's the right time. And it's like, you know, everyone always says this, it's like, there's never really a right time or wrong time. Like it's sort of, it happens, right? Um, you know, you just have to jump two feet in and like, maybe, you know, things are slow for a while, or maybe you're underwater, like who knows, right? You just kind of have to do it. And so at one point we're just like, you know, like we've got some runway, you know, I can survive if this doesn't go well and whatever, right? So just dove right in and, and left Oracle. It was a great experience and then went on to, to join O2 and the rest is history. That's my little <laughs> well, so a couple of things. So, so, you know, we're learning about here's a guy who's just, you know, kind of mad, crazy scientist, loads of energy, can't stop looking to do stuff, you know, and so you're running some side hustles. And then finally, it looks like this is something that can really run. So you become the VP product development of O2 Industries. And all of a sudden, there's a massive opportunity that occurs. Yeah, so to, so to jump in, so like when I, when I joined, uh, part of the reason that I'd actually left was because we'd start developing this new opportunity around developing a respirator for the military, right? Um, and so we, we'd been approached by the Canadian uh, Armed Forces around developing something to help mitigate against lead inhalation, right? We're like blown away that they didn't have a solution for this already. And so that, that was the reason that I ultimately went full time. Like, we're not going to be able to, like, we have to, to do this. We're going to need to be like going, right? Like, this is a big project. We got to move. So I left and did that. And so we spent, you know, a solid, you know, year building this product, like developing it with, um, you know, getting the tooling made and <laughs> it's, it's, a, you know, it's a process, right? It's, you know, it's, it's fun. Like so software is great for a lot of reasons. You know, if, if something doesn't work, you can just release a patch fix, right? <laughs> but hardware is a little bit trickier because <laughs> once it's done, it's done. So, so, you know, we spent time launching that product, but yeah, like you said, you're alluding to something happened, <laughs> I think everyone's sort of familiar, right? So we were in the business of respirators, right? Primarily developed for mitigating pollution in in Asia, and then moving into the military, right? So the, sort of these these two these two different areas, and then and then COVID happens, and I'll let I'll let everyone read up on that on their own if they're unfamiliar with with what that was. But but as a mass company, that was just bonkers, right? And I mean. Obviously, this is the short version of the story, right? But it was crazy. So, and, and everyone's always like, oh, my, man, that must have been the greatest thing ever. But I mean, yes and no. So, so we, we were a team of, at that point, like maybe six, seven people, right? We're, let's call this January 2020, right? Maybe six people. And, you know, to skip ahead a little bit, by June of that year, we were at like 60, 70 people, right? So, Basically, what happened is we had, you know, maybe sales, you know, pretty modest sales month to month, and they just went like up by a factor of ten thousand percent. Like, 
and I'm not even being dramatic. Like they act like our sales legitimately went up that much. <laughs> um, we had zero inventory overnight. Actually, here's what's crazy. Rich, our, our co-founder, was launching our tactical respirator for the military at a trade show in Las Vegas, which, by the way, we shipped our first samples directly to his hotel because that's how tight it was. <laughs> he built he built them in his hotel room. But anyway, so that was a crazy story. So he's there like talking with the product. And you know, we got this civilian thing. And it's like, oh, okay, whatever about the civilian thing. But you know, uh, let's, let's talk about this military application. And then the next day, the first human-to-human transmission happened, and you know, we went back to the middle. By the way, we have no more inventory of our other product. Everyone's like, "Hey, let's start talking about this this consumer application." <laughs> Everyone just flipped on it and was like, "Let's talk about masks, masks, masks." And and everyone was like, "It was like we. It was just how do you deal with this situation?" We had thousands and thousands and thousands of orders coming in. Right? We had like probably we had like legitimately like thousands of customer service tickets coming in a day. Like it was, you know, talk about turning on the faucet. And I mean, every, every business faces challenges, but I, I like to think that there, this was pretty unique circumstances to some degree, because it was like, it was out of control. Um, so yeah, we had no inventory. So we, we quickly brought on just people. Like it almost didn't even matter what you did. It was like, what do you do? It sounds great. You can help. <laughs> like, you know, and what was sort of interesting is, is, is a lot of the people who unfortunately um, lost their jobs or, you know, had free time through the, the circumstances of the pandemic, you know, picked up work, uh, you know, in customer service as an example with, with our company. And like, so we ended up with this customer service team that was like, oh, I, I used to run a small business in like a, a, a store downtown and I, I'm actually a teacher. And it's like, these are like highly qualified people who are working with us right now. So they, um, anyway, they, uh, we brought on tons and tons of people, uh, sales skyrocketed. They're just going up and up and up and up. And then they weren't <laughs> right. So they went from just so for our listeners, cause I've heard the story and it's fascinating. So basically yeah, yeah, you went totally. from really zero sales to how many, was it a million? Was it two million? What, what, yeah. So like, let, let's talk, like, yeah. So like, it could have. We might have been doing ten thousand dollars a month, right, in in revenue. To like, I think February was like a million <laughs> a month. A month. Yes, yeah, the month of February, and then you know, and then it was like two million, three three million. Like it was, I think, you know, somewhere in April, May. Like it was like three million in just a month. Right. And so it just, it was like, we're talking like, like it's just stupid amounts of scale, right. In this tiny period of time. Right. And again, like with a, a, a physical good, anyway, everyone knows what the supply chain challenges, right? Like they were very, very real, right? Like we were trying to get product made, like obviously to support the business, but you know, more than that, like people were looking for products to give themselves a sense of comfort and protect themselves and, and all this. And, you know, we had obviously had to go through this, huge rigor, rigor morale of like, how do we do this in a way where we're not, you know, getting into legal trouble with, you know, with the FDA and things like that, because, you know, this is not what our product was designed for. It was not designed for buyers. So there's all this happening at the same time of like, there's this non-intentional circumstance that's, you know, or that's leading to this, this sort of thing happening on this side. How do we deal with it? So yeah, it was like million, two million, three million, like just up, 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 up. And it's like, wh- when does that end? When does that level out? What's the future look like? Like nobody knew, right? Like, is this going to continue forever? Or or what are we supposed to do here? <laughs> right. And and at that point, we've got 18 projects on the go. 
you know, we're trying to come up, we're trying to build a medical respirator at that point to try to, you know, uh, focus on helping healthcare workers. And we've got the tactical respirator thing that's are, are still happening on the side. And then, and then this new opportunity, you know, I'm going to rattle these things off and you're going to be like, what are you talking about? Right? Like, you know, and, and then this, this basically we get approached by a guy who's working with the UFC saying like the UFC is looking to try to figure out how to get bring sport back. Like that was their whole big thing. Like, they were the first ones to kind of resume, you know, events. And so we're like, you know, we should partner with this organization because, you know, they're, they're trying to bring sport back. And so we end up like, again, long story short, signing a, you know, a, a sponsorship with the UFC for some amount of money. I'm going to call it that <laughs> not cheap and becoming the official respirator of the UFC. But then the thing with the UFC was like, we don't have a product for those users. So let's, you know, develop a product for that user base. And at this point you can imagine my head is just like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like we've got so many, we, we had, I think at one point, eight different products in development simultaneously with like an engineering team of like maybe 10, 15 people, like a good proportion of them being co-ops. Right. And it was like, this is, this is crazy. Right. And you know, everyone's running around trying to figure out what to do. And then again, like I mentioned earlier, the, the sort of climax of the story, you know, it's rather unfortunate though, is, is, is sales drop off and, and they don't decline the way that they, ramped up, right? Like they ramped up quickly, they dropped off quicker. It was like, you know, <laughs> you know, ski jump sort of levels of, <laughs> it was bananas. So it just stopped. Yeah. Yeah. They, they fell off, right? They, they, they went, they dropped off really quickly, right? Like we still had sales, right? We still had sales that were much higher than when the pandemic had started. Right. So it's not like they went to zero, but they, they, they dropped well below a level that was sustainable for the organization size at that point. Right. Um, like we had, a, we have a, we had a, a team of 60, 70 people and sales, you know, I, I don't, you know, I won't get into the figures, but they, they, they dropped off and, and that obviously started to create a ton of problems. Right. And so, uh, you know, we're trying to run around figuring out how, how to solve this. And so I think we spent probably the back half of that year sort of trying to figure out what was going on. Right. <laughs> right? And, and how to, and where to go with the business. Right. And then basically by the time the year wraps up, you know, we'd, we'd raise some money in December and then basically by, by January, um, we were out of money, <laughs> right? It was like a, it was a very strange turn of events, right? Like there's so much energy, everyone's having a great time. And then it was like January, like, oh yeah, so we're out of money. We, you know, we, you know, we raised a bunch of money in December, but hey, we're out. Right. And it was just like, how could that be possible? Everyone was like, we didn't understand. Like, how is that even in the realm of possibilities? Right. So, you know, as the next couple months unfold, you know, we had to kind of get our arms wrapped around the situation and things got kind of gross. Right. You know, I, I won't sugarcoat it. Right. Um, you know, we obviously had to have significant restructuring. Right. At that point, a lot of people were let go um, and a lot of people departed and, and things like that. You know, our CEO ultimately stepped down. And our other co-founder uh, stepped in as interim CEO to try to right the ship. Um, but as he sort of describes it, it's like being set as the temporary captain of the Titanic moment <laughs> after it's hit the iceberg. It's like, cool, I mean, I'll go down with it, I guess, right? <laughs> like, it's, that's sort of the situation. It's, it, was not, it was great, right? So we had major reshuffle. We ended up parting ways with our, our chief revenue officer, our chief financial officer. Like, so most of our leadership team 
shuffled. You know, I unfortunately went through several rounds of layoffs until, you know, basically at the very end, we had a very skinny team. And then it was sort of like, this is either the team that's going to get us out of it or that's it. That's it. Right. And so it was a small team. And again, that's sort of the, to me, the, the most heartbreaking part of the entire situation is that, you know, we were able to build uh, a really great team um, in a really short period of time. And, and obviously it's, it's super hard to part ways with those people. And, and, and honestly, just even have those people have to go through that situation, right? Like we're talking about the livelihoods of dozens and dozens of people. Right. And so that's obviously, it was a big shame uh, to have that happen, but ultimately, you know, we tried to get our arms wrapped around it and realize that like, there was just way too much debt, right? There was, there were way too many liabilities. There wasn't, you know, for somebody to invest in the business to try to write, write the ship and say like, okay, but the first X million is just going to filling a hole. It's not a very compelling investment story. No one's going <laughs> right? to want to do that, right? No one's going to want to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. So that was unfortunately like that wasn't going to work. So we worked with our, our lead investor and, and, you know, was put into a receivership and then the company was restructured and then a new corporation was formed called Ventus, uh, which bought majority of the assets, left a number of things behind, including the previous flagship product that, you know, did the X million in sales, like that product is no more, you know, and, and sort of carried forward, focused on the tactical thing, right? And that's sort of where we've landed today. But, you know, it was like the last 18, 24 months were just absolute mayhem. <laughs> You know, and I, and I know that I'm giving you the very short version of this story, right? And one of the, you know, when I, you know, Nori and I have uh, been, been chatting over the years. And, and when I, when I heard sort of what happened, I just felt like it just seems to be such a great story, you know, because not always is there a happy ending. And I know there will be a happy ending for Nori, meaning I know Nori is going to have a very successful career in life. Okay. You know, showing the perseverance, the commitment, the skill sets that he's developed and, we're going to have setbacks. So it's like, literally, we just had this hockey stick growth or even ho- higher than hockey stick growth. And then this slide off and then the impacts of it. So for our leaders listening, you know, what lessons did you learn? What did you take away from, from this? You know, what might have you done differently? Or, or in some of it as well, it's just so hard to see when it's happening anyhow. Like, again, it's, it's just like this, this is just occurring, but please. Yeah, I, for sure. I mean, that's sort of like the the, the new thing that's I'm never going to be able to shed is hindsight's 2020 and like the year 2020 quite literally, <laughs> <laughs> right? But I mean, the tough part. I mean, yeah, I'd be remiss if I left this year without or this past two years without any lessons. That would just be horrendous. But no, I, I've got a, a ton of takeaways personally. You know, there was there was so much growth even for just within that period just understanding how to deal with, you know, we went from being a small company where you deal with small company problems to dealing with scaling company problems in like 10 days. Right. And, and so we had to figure that out. So I think the lessons that I learned, you know, just going through this big crash of, and, and like basically the entire business fell apart. Right. It's, it's not like there weren't signs, right? Like there, like there was a lot of, there were a lot of signs that pointed towards this happening, right? Like the, the dynamics that we unfortunately landed with through the process, you know, we were unable to really have straightforward uh, direct conversations about the problem that we were in and, and the, the challenges we were facing. And, and there was a, there was a, a lack of trust within our team as a leadership team. Right. And that's a huge problem, right? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you can appreciate that. 
those problems existed before things got difficult, right? Before we were running out of money, those problems were already there. But obviously the tension, like the, the cracks just, they grow, right? And so that, that I think all, all, like we knew those problems were there, but we were just weren't dealing with them, right? And so, I mean, I guess the way I would put it, I don't love the wording is, is this, you know, maybe to have the courage to, to talk about those things sooner and, and more directly and, and not put them aside. And, and I don't want to say like, I, I wasn't, it's like, not like I didn't have the confidence to do it. It's just, it wasn't, it, it was an in energy incompatibility is maybe what I would call it. And, and that was what I, I found the most difficult and was my biggest takeaway, I think is, is there was so much positive energy with all the, the growth that was happening and the new ideas and the new opportunities. And there was just, everything was pot. And the team like had such a great dynamic. Like we had a, a, such a great culture at the company, but like I, what I tell people is like the currency was, was like good vibes, right? Like that's what, what worked at the company. And so what I had a really hard time with was, was going like when people would come and just be like, Hey, all, all this, like these great ideas, we're going to do this, 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 and that just saying like, I don't think we should do that, man. <laughs> like, I think that's a huge distraction. And, and I would say these things, but almost to the point where like, maybe it wasn't even worth getting into it because, um, you know, unless you're really going to drive it home and, and whatever, it's just, you're just, it just feels almost negative. Right. So that, that for me, like very much now, like I, you know, the last two years have felt like 10. Um, and I'm really looking at things like, you know, life is short, man. Like <laughs> the way that I have conversations now versus the way that I have conversations back then are, are different, right? Like, I'm spending less time trying to figure out when to say something or how to say something or what to do. It's just like, I'm just like, here, here's what I think, <laughs> you know, and, and I've always been for, I think pretty forthright in my opinions. Like I, I, I rarely hold back and I, I, I never have for like most of my, you know, professional career. So I'm usually just like, here's what I think. Here's, but when it, when things get tricky with, I have trouble bur bursting people's bubbles and I have less trouble doing that now. <laughs> I guess it is is uh, is one of my big takeaways, right? Is it's just life is short. You don't have time to like. Ah, we'll see how this pans out. I really don't think this is going to work, but let's see how it pans. Out. Why, right? Like, don't waste the time. Like, throw it out all there. Like, the worst that can happen is, you know, you have a disagreement, but like, you know, at least you put your best foot forward. And I, I feel like if one thing I, I didn't, I did myself a disservice on was. You know, I fought a lot of battles last year, um, but I maybe didn't fight hard enough on the ones that I think were like tremendously important. <laughs> so, um, yeah, anyway. So, yeah, I, I said that's one of the bigger ones. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that's I think that's awesome. And, you know, and again, as, as you told the story, you know, having all of these one of the most important things about strategy and one of the most important things about any businesses is not saying yes to too many things. Because the reality is, is there are so many ways that you can make money, but the the companies that, you know, again, do the best are the companies who just like prioritize. This is the one thing we're going to be known for. This is the one thing I get really, really great at just because so much energy and focus needs to go to that one thing to make all the difference. Totally, totally. Yeah, no, there, there's shiny balls everywhere. And that was a huge, 
a huge downfall for O2, unfortunately, right? We, we're just chasing everything. Yeah, and it's difficult as well. Like to to be fair as well, it's difficult when when your company is growing just so fast, so far. It's really easy again in hindsight. It's it's very so again to those to the, to again your your partners, the leaders of that organization. No judgment. It's just hey, it's it's a lesson for all of us. It was a tough position, man. Right? Like like I, very few people I think have been in that situation of just that hyper growth and speed at, at which it happened and just suddenly finding yourself in this massive company, <laughs> right? And so, yeah, they're, they're very, very difficult decisions that had to be made very, very quickly. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, unfortunately, you know, we missed a few of them. So, you know, I, I, I completely agree with that sentiment, right? Like there's, it's, it's hard to know and there's so many opportunities and how do you know which way is the right way? And I mean, that's the million dollar question. Right? <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I, I think definitely like, operating mode going forward for me a lot of it has just been a lot faster just like just get to the point right like i don't i don't yeah i don't get it (laughs) you know know, if you don't get it just you know it's it's got to be forefront so no for sure for sure and so what's next what are you working on now great question um you know there's a there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of of different places right so like i mentioned earlier uh ventus uh has taken over many assets of of o2 and so uh, right now, focused on uh, seeing if we can develop out this uh, this tactical military market. Right, it's it's really quite uh, it's interesting now being in a business where we are very focused. Right, it's like we've got one thing that we're doing, and it's you can you can sort of take all that energy and just point it at one thing. Now, I mean, we're, I wouldn't say we're out of the woods. Uh, you know, there's still a lot of we still have to fundraise, and there's still a lot of things that have to be you know that have to be sorted out. So you're gonna see, see how that works out, and um, and uh, yeah basically bear down on that for the next little while. Um, I'm having a kid in January. So oh, congratulations. All right. That's the thing. <laughs> so I, that, that's sort of taking up some mind share at the moment, um, especially since I, I don't have a countertop over there. Um, <laughs> I'm in the middle of some renovations. But um, no, yeah, I, I think upward and onward. <laughs> I don't want to be too, too cheesy. But I, I think, like I said earlier, I'm not to spend too much time on the life is short piece, but I've been sort of even lately just doing calculations on like people talk about the amount of time you spend on things in life and blah, blah, blah. Right. I looked at it in percentages probably for the first time. Um, and I don't know if it's particularly novel, but I sort of sat, sat here thinking like I've effectively spent 2% of my life and probably a solid two, 3% because sleeping was not an activity that was part of my 2020, you know, through this entire adventure at O2. Right. And, and that's no commentary on time well spent or poorly spent. It's, it's just a, a perspective that I'm looking at things of like, wow, that's a lot of time, <laughs> right? Like, you know, there's, there's only, you know, you don't have that many points on the board, right? And how do you want to spend it? And so, yeah, I've just really been looking at things like that lately. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's still a process that I'm going through. If you have, you know, like, where do I want things to go and what do I want to spend my time doing? Because, you know, there's not a whole lot of it, <laughs> right? hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, uh, no, it's just such a fascinating story. Uh, you know, Nori, as I, as I, you know, said, you know, again, it's uh, a fascinating story of success and then, oh, wow, a market runs out and these things happen. And, you know, you were obviously upfront and personal in this, uh, experience. So, you know, before I ask our final question that I love to ask everybody, anything that you'd like to share with our, with our leaders, anything else you'd like to share? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, good luck. Um, it's a it's a great adventure. Um, I, I yeah, I definitely wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, yeah, it, basically, you know, I definitely. Um, well, one of the biggest things I learned and I would I continue to promote is is like bite off more than you can chew, <laughs> right? I mean, it. I, I just I like that approach of like it, and people talk about it from the context of a comfort zone frequently, right? Is like you know you have to kind of push yourself, but. If you wait until you think you know what you're gonna how you're gonna do it, then it's too late, right? Like you have to kind of do it a, a bit backwards, right? Like take take on the job before you know how you're gonna do it, and then figure it out on the go, <laughs> right? Like I just think that's the only way that you're gonna experience rapid growth, right? Otherwise, you're you're not gonna be skipping steps, and and you have to skip some steps and kind of fill them in backwards, right? And go like, okay, I actually see how that makes sense now, right? And so you know, living it is is way more than is I think way more valuable than learning about it in theory. So that's one I think the big benefits of, of student works is you have to live and breathe it. And, you know, your successes are your own and your failures are your own. And uh, those are both great, I guess, those badges. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you, you, you learn, you learn a lot from both. Right. Um, uh, and hopefully, you know, you've got more successes and failures. So, you know, you just have to kind of keep working at it. Well, I love it. You know, again, I know last year we had Brian Scudamore on and he talked about being willing to fail. Right. And so, you know, it's certainly something that we coach here and it's something that I believe I've got lots of failures, lots of welts. And, and I just really admire you, Nori, for coming on and Hey, you know, again, you know, this thing ultimately turned out not, not working, but seeing that, Hey, there's all sorts of lessons along the way. It's a game you're willing to play. And you're still playing. Hey, and and you know that there's an easier game to play, or a, one that I can just go make a good salary. And no, I'm choosing not to. I want it. I want to do something more challenging. Totally. And, and I mean, I, I maybe you don't have to say this to so many of your your listeners because I mean they've probably taken that leap of like you know I want to do the entrepreneurial thing. But you know, e- even as I was leaving Oracle, right, I had this question of like, oh, you know, there's this sense of uncertainty, and maybe this couldn't. Go. And I never would have guessed that it would have gone this way, right? Of all the ways it could have gone, I never would have guessed this is how it all went down. But at the end of the day, like, you know, I'm fine, we're fine, right? Like I have the great privilege of living in a, in a great country. We've got free healthcare. Like, you know, I've got nothing to complain about, right? Like it's gonna be okay. And and so I think taking those leaps, those leaps always seem way more daunting when you're standing on the cliff, right? Like once you're going, once you're going down, you're like, ah, this is not, not such a big deal. but you know, you'll, you'll figure it out. So yeah, I say like, um, yeah, hundred percent, you know, there's, there's very little, I think there's way too much anticipation around taking risks and and the risks ultimately, you know, lead you to the greatest wins and, and, and potentially failures, but like, Hey, you know, what, what are you going to do? Um, and I suppose the other thing I would say is, is maybe another important takeaway for me. And I, I don't sort of take up your time here, but I think it's an important thing that I learned along the way is, is sort of when to ask for help as well. Right. Like, you know, I spent a, a lot of time just trying to figure stuff out on my own, and I still do that, right? But at one point, I don't even know when it was. I just got real comfortable saying, "I don't know," <laughs> right? And I, you know, I think that was just another big, um, big takeaway for me. Anyway, yeah. Well, no, that's great. So, our final question: When you think of a leader tomorrow, Nori, what comes to mind? Yeah, for sure. I think it, we're in an interesting place in business right now. I think you're seeing it everywhere, right? Like things are shifting a lot. Like there. Were, I wouldn't, we're not necessarily in a great period, right, in the world, right? Like we've got, there's a lot of tough things going on. Um, and I think there's a necessity for people to be highly flexible and dynamic, right? I, I think if you approach business and life with too much of a 
uh, rigid framework, you know, you're going to be in trouble, <laughs> right? I think you need to be thinking about different, you know, the different ways things can go. And, you know, the concept of red teaming almost, you know, like, how could this go wrong? How could this go right? Like, I think you need to be looking for, for flexibility in your, in your mindset and your model of how you're approaching business and how you're approaching your life, right? Like, things aren't going to go, unfortunately, the way you intended, right? Probably less so now than ever, right? You know, oh, I'll just hire a couple people. Turns out that might not be a thing you can do real, real quickly, right? Like that, it, it's, it's challenging. So I think you have to think about different approaches to one problem and have to, you have to be willing to do that. And, um, and if you're not, you know, you're going to be in trouble. So yeah, no, I would say uh, definitely flexibility, try to have a, a non-linear thought pattern, right? Where you think about things from different angles ask for help when you need it. I think, you know, we need to be, uh, you know, humble and it's a, it's a vicious world out there sometimes. Right. And if you get into trouble, like there's a lot of people who want to help. So, you know, there's, there's no glory and, you know, (laughs) dying on a battlefield by yourself somewhere. Right. Like that's not fun. Right. So, um, no, I I say leaders of tomorrow, be creative, (laughs) think outside the box, you know, well, and also as well, like you said, it's, 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 you know, one of the things that we'll talk about a lot, as you know, uh, the student works management program is perseverance and commitment and resilience and sticking it through. And sometimes we need to know, hey, no, pull the ripcord. I'm jumping out, jumping into what's next. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. There's a, there's a time to leave. Yeah. yeah, there's a time to leave and, and, and understanding that I'm going to jump. And, and a lot of times we're so close that it's tough to figure that out on our own. For sure. And that's, it's honestly something I struggle with, with a ton. And, and it, it's, it's not, you know, it's an ongoing challenge, right? Like you, when you're in it, you, like you said, it's like, how do you know if it's the right time? And then and when in hindsight, you're like, oh, that was the right move. But, you know, it's, it's very tough. No, I think it's great. I, I, you know, and again, I, I really want to, uh, you know, uh, just, just appreciate you, Nori, for, for taking time. Uh, I wish you the best with this latest startup and whatever's next for you. And uh, I, I look forward to, again, staying connected and hearing more about, again, the successes and progress that you're making. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you having me on, Chris. It was great chatting with you. Hey, leaders, I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.